Welcome to Funny Planet, where we try to explore the humor sphere. Finding out what's funny around the world. What's unique to a country's culture of humor, history, and politics. And what is universal. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Funny Planet. Ooh, that was loud. Wow. <laughs> Let's start that again. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Funny Planet. Oh, there it is. Uh, welcome to Funny Planet. I'm Brendan Lemon. I'm Zach Tomasovic. Uh, welcome uh, to another episode of Funny Planet. Thank yeah. you for being with us. We're glad you had time. We really value our audience here at Funny Planet. They're busy. They're busy people. Uh, they're all over the world. They're, they're listening all, from... They're all listening from their C-suites. Di- <laughs> They're very successful. We have a the actually. I was uh, looking at a, a Nielsen report that they just did for this podcast. Um, we have Nielsen, the most successful audience. That's true of any podcast audience is our audience. Well, what you don't what you don't know is that what you get by being a listener is that you're automatically CEO <laughs> of this podcast. <laughs> you are automatically you can VP. Go, well, let's not give everyone CEO VP or higher. You're you're at least you're acting at, CEO. You will be at least at or above the VP level. All right, so go to your LinkedIn, change <laughs> your current position to CEO slash VP of audience at <laughs> Funny Planet Podcast. I'm serious. No. Take take a screenshot and send it to us. I can't. Can't wait. A we, fun prize awaits you if I you do w- this. Oh my god, <laughs> the funnest prize, which is uh, yet to be determined. Yeah, yeah, we have to figure it out. Yeah, we'll have to see what's in the budget. It's a mystery prize. Yeah, the yeah. budget is up to you. Also, so go to Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great plug for Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we normally do that at the end of the episode, but this time we're just putting it right up front because we want to buy you something nice. We love you. Um, so, and you're successful. So why wouldn't you want to? That's donate. true. You're a C-suite. And it's the end of the year. Fiscal year. It's time to get those... <laughs> you would know, think that we've been drinking... those drink- donations in. You would think we've been drinking, but we haven't. We've actually... I haven't touched uh, alcohol in at least six months. I haven't touched alcohol in at least six hours. So... Um, <laughs> Let's go. Let's 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 go back to this uh, to this uh, let's, let's, let's um this episode. So Oleg Denisov is on this episode. Yes. Um, Oleg Denisov, Russian uh, comedian who I met at Edinburgh in 2017. I know this keeps coming up on the pod, but once again, it's a giant, big international comedy, biggest right. international comedy festival in the world. It's maybe. what everybody has in common. Yep. Um, I would say Just for Laughs maybe is up up there too, but. This one, uh, and then Melbourne, of course, but uh, this one is a big deal. Everybody has it in common. We met Oleg there, uh, or I met him there. Um, he was doing a show that was very critical of the Russian political establishment, um, which he recorded, and uh, and I, I think you can even, he might even have released it, so you should get at him after this episode, because he, uh, he I think he's got it, and he can put it out online so you can take a look at it. And if not, harass him, because I'd love to watch it again. He's very funny. Um, so we t- we get into into this a little bit. We talk about a little bit what's going on in the Russian comedy scene, how he got into it, uh, things you can talk about, things you can't talk about, um, what he's doing and in trying to promote international comedy, and how um, you know America really does. I think have a uh, in Britain, but I think predominantly America really does have sort of an I- international cultural uh, monopoly on the mm-hmm. world of of comedy. Although that's starting to change, but yeah. it definitely has been massively influential. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think this was an exciting episode for me. I just wanted to see what it's like to uh, if 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 uh, there are any uh, lines that you can cross in Russia. 
Um, because I think doing comedy in Russia is one of the things that you and I both talked about that we both like to do. And yeah, talking with Oleg was interesting in uh, seeing where those boundaries are. Oh, yeah. And it's I think it's funny that comedy, you know, people talk about co- comedians and we want our comedians to punch up and be, you know, comedy is a political act. I think just doing it, period, in Russia is a political act. Same thing in China. We talked to Helgi about that in the other episode. But um, you should listen to that one, too, because these are two communities that... Uh, are not open communities and doing comedy is kind of underground and you can't be too big about it and say things that get on the government's nerve. So uh, we talk about that with Oleg a little bit and um, and I, this was fun. It was fun to catch up with the guy and uh, we really need to go to do some comedy in Russia and I think experience what he's talking about. Yeah, let's uh, let's listen to it. All right, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, did you talk to Helgi, by the way? Helgi Steiner from Iceland. Yeah, we know Helgi. Yeah, we know Helgi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, he's my friend. Yeah, we're kind of uh, all, 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 always bump into each other somewhere in Europe. Oh, Helgi's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, he did, is. Did you see his show, Cold as Icelandic, in um in the Fringe? Yeah, I performed with him many times. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, That's so funny. Yeah, it's funny when you get to. That's one of the things we're discovering is like it's a bunch. It's a really small world in, in international comedy. There's only a handful of comedians who are like really doing stuff outside of their own countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially Europe. Europe is a very small world, a small market. Yeah. Yeah, I. So we had talked about one, the difficulty of doing any type of political comedy in Russia, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I was like, I, I'm always every time you and I talk, I'm always like, it's nice to see that Oleg is still alive. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe maybe there could be some agent, you know, who's handling my Facebook page for me. You never know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just... yeah, yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Funny Planet. <laughs> this is Brendan and Zach over here in the United States of America. We're sitting in uh, East Village, New York. But on the podcast today is Oleg Denisov over in uh, Moscow coming to us live. Oleg, good to see you. Hello. Hello. Yeah, nice Oleg. talking to you. Hi, Zach. So Oleg and I uh, met at the same time Zach and I met over at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2017, and Oleg was doing a very funny, very unique show. Uh, we hit it off pretty immediately, I think, and I uh, asked you to perform on my show um, yeah. as a spot, and then uh, I came as and a, saw as a, did you. Say, did you say as a spy? As a spy. As, <laughs> as a spy. <laughs> yeah, as a spy. As a spot, but also maybe a spy. I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you to be a spy, Oleg. I feel yeah, like you, th- you think you can't. You think I can't see you just because the camera is off. <laughs> yeah. All right, where's the tape? <laughs> but in a weird way, what a great cover to be a spy for. You know, for f- f- is to be like, oh, I'm just an international comedian. Yeah, it's so innocuous. <laughs> yeah. For the ministry of for the ministry of comedy, yeah. The that's, that's, of comedy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, there's got to be a comedy group in the in uh in Russia called the Ministry of Comedy. That's a great great idea. Um, yeah, that, that's that's our parliament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. So okay. If you so, read if, they, if you read some of the stuff they passed recently, this is just yeah, <laughs> Ministry we'll, of Comedy. We'll get we'll yeah. get into that because I want to talk about you had mentioned just before the 
the, the recording started that there was a political situation is very interesting. So we want to get into that. But like some of your comedy and the reason we wanted to talk is that you you talk a bit about the politics of Russia and you did it on your stage show. And you and I were joking outside of, uh, you know, the show that I was like, man, this is kind of you probably can't say a lot of this stuff in, in Russia. And even on in your act, you were talking about like. Yeah, don't let this like really get back to <laughs> to anybody back yeah. home or anything. <laughs> and you've done this show and versions of it uh, in the last few years, and you you do a lot of traveling around. So I was I uh, you know we wanted to talk a lot about sort of the political situation as it relates to comedy in in Russia. And um, I mean, plus I think as Americans we're sort of interested because you know Russia is not always known as a bastion of good comedy internationally. But you're a very funny man, so. How did you, Oleg, how did you develop a sense of humor in the cold <laughs> north of, uh, of Russia? I, I, I don't know. I personally, I imported it. You know, thanks to thanks to the possibility, thanks to the possibility of you know, uh, like one thing which is definitely like good and and free uh, in Russia is the is the piracy, the internet piracy. So we uh, we were able to get all the stuff for free. Uh, and essentially, that is what uh, what allows many people to kind of uh, uh, get uh, self-educated in any in any area they want. Uh, it's actually good, you know, because uh, Russia is a vast country, and you know, some of some of the uh, stuff, some of the like delivery of some stuff, uh, some goods from like eBay or Amazon, sometimes it's not possible. But just uh, also, people don't have a lot of money. But here it's perfect because they can get any content for free, and nobody will prosecute them for that. You know, so uh, that's how that's what I did. Essentially, I just watched a lot of comedy uh, from abroad, from America, from Britain, mostly from Britain, uh, and kind of developed developed this sense of humor. I found also a few comedians in Russia who are also in this uh, sort of wave, who are aware of what's happening internationally. They wanted to do uh, same sort of stuff uh, in, in in our country, right? So there is a, a small but definite community. Um, of, of of people who have this frame of reference, Western frame of reference in their comedy, in their um, performance art. So that's that's how it all started. Oleg, what was what were some of the things you were watching uh, when you were growing up and you were starting to develop your own style? Mm, well, I, I watched uh, I watched of course I watched uh, sitcoms. I watched American American sitcoms. I watched uh, uh, cartoons as well, like Friends and Family Guy. And like later, of course, like Rick and Morty is series, but like about the recent ones. Um, Damn, that show is so funny. Yeah, this it's, it's great. Yeah, uh, like I, I literally know don't know any person in any country who doesn't love this show. Some people don't know, but if 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 you know it, they all love it. You know, but yeah. So and also like British British television, like old BBC, like Blackadder, and uh, like well Monty Python, of course. This is like how it all sort of started. Um, so yeah, just a lot of a lot of television, a lot of comedy TV, and uh, that actually happened even like uh, that. Uh, I watched that before I got into stand up. I just I watched lots of like sitcoms and sketch shows, and like stand up. I started watching like not long before I actually tried it myself. You know, so at, at first I wasn't that interested. Did you guys get Saturday Night Live in uh in could you pirate Saturday Night Live or did it or did it come on television at all when uh, you were uh, when you were younger? Uh, no, it didn't. It never. It was never on television, but if you, you know, if if you're persistent, you could find it. Yeah, so. Got it. Interesting. Um, so you didn't watch it. That's probably why you're so funny. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> Man, no, I, I did not watch it. No. <laughs> What what uh so oh like what what were some of the things that were on television in uh, in Russia that that were uh, homegrown? 
the did you have were there Russian sitcoms that you know and if there were how were they different from the American and British uh, uh, imports? Mm. Uh, well, you know, like uh, in the '90s, when the when the, you know the country and the, like the information space within the country kind of became free, became like censorship free. Uh, you know, like uh, we had a lot of like, a lot of American stuff, and I do talk about it in my show. Like basically, uh, uh, because the content that was produced in the Soviet Union, nobody obviously nobody nobody wanted to see it anymore. And it was, <laughs> you know, like an what, example of what, some Soviet era uh, comedy on television. Uh, well, it was usually just, uh, you know, there the, uh, were uh, comedies which are usually like musical comedies, uh, you know, it's like uh, it's it's a comedy, like a situation comedy, but uh, there were like musical numbers, like a musical, you know, like musical scenes, uh, and there were kind of usually uh, quite silly. And so some of them were actually pretty good, like romantic, uh, but we had no sitcoms as such. Uh, there was no comedies which were like television series, but like uh, there were like some comedians performing uh, on stage, usually it looked like this: just a guy uh, walking out on stage, and like like in the uh, between two, like say musical numbers on stage, and he just he just gets out a clipboard and he reads some kind of a comedic monologue from that. You know, so it's uh, it's it's super entertaining, obviously. You're getting the picture, right? Um, so that was, and also we have this thing which we actually have even now, and it has a long history, like maybe 30, 40 years, which originally started like, um, well, something like in Britain, they have like this Cambridge Footlights or something like this, I, I imagine. It's kind of like a comedy troupe, uh, uh, which was, a, uh, and there was a competition, it's called uh, KVN, which is like called, uh, club, uh, which is abbreviation for Club of Funny and Inventive, uh, which is basically like and they do sketches they do some improv they kind of uh, there are some like little competitions kind of to tell a joke about this or to kind of do a sketch about this and it's kind of like a live competition and all kind of teams are university based and everybody who was in university and had some you know like any like little acorn of like uh, arti artistism or humor or anything kind of got sucked into this uh, shameful activity um, <laughs> so uh, because yeah, it used to be it used to be really good in some periods, especially like in the '90s. But like for the last 15 years, it, when it became like popular, it got it got like uh, it became an industry basically. Like the teams are still called after the universities, but they're like teams of writers, and like they're they're not really connected to the universities anymore. But they're kind of on TV and very very famous, but uh, completely unfunny now. Uh, <laughs> this is goes. So, this is, this you know. That had that had gone on in Russia for for how long since back in like the eighties or seventies even? Yeah, yes, something like the seventies. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. So like when because you we're similar ages, which means when you were a kid, uh, you were still living behind the Iron Curtain. No, no, I wasn't. You weren't. No, no, I'm thirty-one. I, uh, I I was born in the Soviet Union, but I never like I don't remember living there. Like I was born in eighty-eight. Uh, so uh, yeah. it means like only three years technically I lived there. So okay, got it. So that's interesting because that would have been so you came, you sort of became aware just as into the early '90s, mid '90s, just as the Soviet Union was opening, you know, had opened up, and there was all of these other influences. So you kind of grew up in a world of all of these different sort of international and Western influences. Yeah, but, yeah. but but your parents and all of the adults were still basically had been raised in, like I said, sort of behind the Iron Curtain. So it must have been strange because your sense of humor must differ very much from your parents' generation sense of humor. 
Uh, yeah, they still, they, my, especially my parents, and like, I don't know, I don't, I'm not going to talk, talk about all the generation, but my parents are very doubtful, uh, very doubtful about the fact whether or not, whether or not I do have a sense of humor or not. You know, they, they find it, they find <laughs> it too, amazing. Man. They find it amazing that I'm a comedian, because like, <laughs> I, they, they still don't properly believe it, probably. Um, you know, just because like, to them, to, to me, their jokes are not really funny. And to to them, my jokes are not really funny, and so they just they they, they just think there's some some kind of a universal mistake that the whole thing, <laughs> like uh, how is this possible that he that he does that? Oh, that's uh, interesting. Do you think there's a generation? Yeah, we have very very different kind of cultural fra frame of references completely, and not just cultural, also like uh, um, how we approach like because like it's all forms personality, right? So it's kind of how they approach like anything, like relationships. Um, and you know, just interactions with people are very kind of um, have this still kind of Soviet mentality. But my parents were actually like, they, they, if they could, they could be like uh, younger. Um, but, but like, like uh, when I was born, my parents were 28 or 20 or uh, 29, something like this. So they lived already quite a bit um, in the Soviet Union. So we are very kind of different people. That's fascinating. So, do you think that that's uh, across the board that between the generations, and and uh, you know, do you think that influences uh, who can go to your shows? Like, do you think the references are lost on the older generation? Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, older generation, first of all, they don't really understand like this genre of stand up as such. They don't kind of. It's not really widely accepted. They just. Uh, um, it's mostly like uh, some I was doing I was doing another podcast uh, like in, in Russia here and like because I was like a person uh, who goes to perform abroad right and the the, the guy asked me like uh, what is the difference like what is the average age of a comedian let's say on stage uh, in in Russia let's say in Britain right and I said like in Britain it's like 40 45 because it's like an established industry but in Russia it's like 25 because essentially, like stand-up comedy is something that young people do for young people, and nobody really kind of uh, nobody is really like uh, nobody really has an aim of involving the old generation into stand-up comedy. They kind of they're they're lost they're lost people for that. They don't fuck them, you know. So can, and am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you can say fuck them. Okay. Yeah. Well, so this is very interesting to me. Like, what is then the the, the the scene like what is the stand-up comedy scene like in russia like in in moscow or st petersburg or yeah you know any of the other major cities it's kind of interesting to hear plus like i mean this is fascinating to me because russia is similar to the united states in the sense that there's a lot of distance between locations like in the u.s it's sometimes difficult i mean we have an established club network meaning like you can move from city to city and do shows but it's it's hard sometimes because you have to drive or fly or take a train very long or a bus very long distances in the U.S. I imagine it's sort of similar in in Russia. Like, what are the comedy scenes like sort of around all those cities? Yeah, well, basically, it's only starting to develop because like there is a, an oldest like professional stand up club uh, in, in Moscow. It, it is about four years old. Let's say this. That's it. Uh, it's only four years old. Yeah. The oldest stand up club in the country is four years old. Wow. Yeah, so like uh, like a year and a half ago in Moscow, they opened another one, uh, which like so the the the, the big one uh, it has like a, the first one it has like about two hundred uh, two hundred and fifty people like seating, and the other one has a hundred and twenty, uh, and then they're in Saint Petersburg uh, only last year 
the first professional stand-up pub open hosts like about 100 people. Um, and in another, in a couple of cities, more cities like Kazan, which is like also over a million people city, also there is a stand-up club, also less than a hundred people sitting. So it's just kind of only only developing, like as professional like institutions, stand-up clubs. Uh, so and and you can see the scale is really really small, you know. Uh, even but for example, like and even you know if if we talk about if we talk about uh, getting foreign comedians to perform, for example, because I just run a promotion now. Uh, in, in, in Moscow, right? And it's called Still the Show Comedy. Uh, and we, as part of our activity, we, we kind of invite uh, foreign comedians, like organize tour dates for some comedians, for example, Jim Gaffigan in November. This, Jim, this, wait, this wait, year. wait. You're producing a show with Jim Gaffigan in November? Yeah. Whoa, wow, dude. That's pretty cool. I just saw Jim at the stand the other day in New York, man. He is a, that is a, a big hitter. Is this the first time he's doing stand up in Russia? Yeah, the first, I think it's the first time any like, top American comedian doing stand-up uh, in Russia, yeah. Uh, I think mostly mostly we got like some, there's some British stars uh, which kind of from time to time come over uh, just because it's kind of close to them, to their European tours. But Jim Gaffigan is going to be the first, yeah. And still, you know, I'm doing this in this uh, stand-up club number one, which is the oldest one. And we kind of, um, we uh, made the seating, like a theatrical seating there, like it's 400 people. And realistically, you know, even the top, top stars like Jim Gaffigan uh, or like British TV stars like Dara O'Brien, they get like 500, 600 people is the complete like it's like the best you can aim for, really, you know, um, because a, the, a, the market is, is really un, underdeveloped. And also, like nobody speaks English apart from me, obviously. So, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, so I, I, I will, on the Jim Gaffigan show, I'll be standing there with like a with just like a blackboard and just like uh, like kind of raise it. translating <laughs> in real time and show the word laugh there and they will. <laughs> so you just have to cut out anytime uh, Gaffigan mentions Putin. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he will mention Putin. I mean, like he, like he probably will going to be talking about food or something. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a pretty safe. Yeah, it's a pretty safe choice. It's it's better than getting like Trevor Noah to do stand up yeah, comedy. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah that, that, that's that could. I mean, we'll try maybe, maybe next year. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's really exciting, man. Um, I was gonna ask you though. So, like, we're joking about it and stuff, but like one of the things that we had joked about it is it, we had talked about in Edinburgh is we were like, Oh man, we better be careful in case there's like Russian state agents walking around watching your show. Oleg. But somebody was telling me that used to happen in the fringe in the nineties and like in the early nineties and the eighties, there would be like Russian agents who would walk around and see Russian performances to make sure that like everything was like cool. And, uh, how, how often does that, do you ever feel that there's some attention on you based on any of the comedy that you're doing or things you're producing? Like, how real is that? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't think in the 90s anybody... I don't think in the 90s anybody was doing that. In the 80s, possibly, of course. Usually they were, like, they were not comedians. They were, like, dance dancing troops or, like, uh, theater troops. And they were just kind of watching in general, like... this. Because sometimes people would defect, for example, if they're taking part in a foreign, like, festival or film festival. And that happened very often, like, or uh, dancing uh, dancing festival, like, you know, like, so ballet dancers. Who's, what's his name? Barishnikov, yeah? The one yeah, who yeah, yeah, yeah. TV yep. in, in the United States. Uh, like, he defected, like, some other people defected. So it's, it was mostly about that, you know. But, like, I, I don't believe... Believe that in uh, 2017 or 18 or 19, somebody would be interested in like the artist of, of my caliber. Let's say, like, if, if like you know, if you're performing a show for 50 people, you know, nobody cares. 
Um, it's actually interesting in in Russia. Like that's a common question that people ask me. Like, oh, is it, like is it hard? Like, what is like is it dangerous doing political uh, comedy in Russia? It's actually much less dangerous if you do it live. You know, because like if you do it live, like in a comedy club, okay, it's like a hundred people, hundred and fifty people, like maximum, right? Uh, or smaller, you know, shows. It, it just like you can say basically whatever you want. Uh, but you can, you should accept that you were not getting on TV with this material. So if this is not your ambition to be on TV, you know, then you can basically you can you can talk about Putin, you know, uh, as much as you like. Um, and but also at the same time, what is more dangerous is uh, if you're like some sort, of, some sort of popular blogger, like a YouTube blogger, uh, or uh, well, mostly it's YouTube in Russia is the most popular one, uh, and you kind of do some videos about. Putin or even more like let's say about the church or something like this uh, you know sometimes you can you know some problems can arise from that you know so you will be monitored very closely in case like you say something which can be interpreted as illegal or um, well some stuff can happen yeah do you know any uh, any of your comic friends have any trouble um there, yeah, there, 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 there are some, there are some troubles. For example, uh, the church is always gets very upset when they're, they're mentioned for the obvious things, such as that they have a lot of money, don't pay any taxes, and drive, like wear all, wear, wear, wear all gold, wear all, wear all gold, and drive Bentleys. Uh, like, just as know, Jesus like, wanted. <laughs> yeah, just as Jesus wanted. So you know, they kind of they get very upset if somebody mentions that. And there were like uh, some stories which I think I even mentioned in the 2017 show where people or like like a, uh, bloggers or comedians who kind of um, point out uh, um, the, point out this uh, facts about the church, uh, they could get like uh, sued or their channels uh, like somehow blocked. Um, well, that, that happens actually. You know, Putin does, usually like if you uh, if you talk like if you talk bad about Putin, uh, he doesn't really use the internet himself. He doesn't recognize the internet as uh, like a force, uh, really? which has to be kind of. That's so interesting. No, he doesn't. He, he doesn't use internet. Wow. So he and Trump have that in common. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. Does Trump, Trump write his Twitter. tweets himself, but, uh, or does Trump, Trump prints out his emails? Yeah, well, for Putin, it has been done a long time ago. Yeah, so uh, he has everything printed out, like you know, as as he as he puts it himself, it's all kind of put into red folders and put on my table, and in in he insisted in the red folders uh, all the, uh, the, the 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 information that governs is the, the best sort of and the most. Um, detailed sort of information. Obviously, it's bullshit, and we all know that. But like, that's how it works. Yeah. So he doesn't use internet, and he, I think, he's even suspicious that the internet is such a uh, force. Um, you know that he actually is. So uh, especially now, when like 80% of the country uh, still uses television as uh, well, not maybe not 80, 70% of the country still uses television as, as the main medium from that they get information. You know, like the critical mass is still kind of. On the, like he controls all TV, state controls all the TV, all the TV channels. Um, so essentially, like it's it doesn't seem like a, like that that um, you know that that much of a danger, you know. But the younger people, of course, uh, don't don't watch TV at all. Like now, for example, most of it in in big country in big cities like cities over five hundred thousand people, cities over a million people. I literally have no not a single like friend or a person I know under thirty five who even own a television.
just, wow. because, just because it's, it's fucking impossible to watch. It's just uh, really like all the propaganda there is, you know, really gets gets in people's nerves. So I, I, have a, I have a question then, because, you know, the ambition for most comedians in America for a really long time was to get a sitcom. Like that was yeah. the idea, especially through the 80s and 90s. I have two uncles who were stand-up comics and um, their ambitions were always like, I want to get famous enough to be on Johnny Carson have him call me over to the couch, yeah. sit down and talk with him. Then the next day you get a development deal with NBC or CBS or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. and um, and get a sitcom going. That was like the way to really make it in comedy. But it's fascinating because not only is stand-up only a few years old in Russia, but also all the media, like you just said, the major media is state-controlled. So – you know, for you or for other comedians who are operating in Russia, what what's the ultimate goal? I mean, what's the ultimate end game for for comedy as a stand up comic in in Russia? Um, there, there's it's not set yet because the industry is not settled yet. But like it seems like it seems now in the last few years, um, it, it seems now that the best way to like let's say like fame and to kind of becoming a, a star in stand up comedy is to just develop. Uh, something like if, if you develop your own YouTube channel or like the clubs develop their own YouTube channels, which kind of helps their comedians promote, which kind of promote their comedians. And through like that, because it's by young people, for young people, it can it's like the YouTube channels are watched by people in any part of Russia. Uh, and that brings the live audiences to the shows. This is uh, uh, now it seems the most like realistic uh, and you know just just better than going through all the like censorship and like all the other filters on the TV. You know that's that's um, essentially how it works. Yeah. Then now for now it seems like this. Maybe if the situation changes and we have this like established like you know maybe TV channels which aren't state owned or like oligarch owned, um, then maybe it will change. But for now. Like the path seems uh, seems to be like this, just through the internet, build live audience um, through the internet. Is there a is there state owned uh, like propaganda comedy? Mm, no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that. No, uh, there, there's no, they don't have a sense of humor. That's, <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, like we have this specific, you know, like specific. Sometimes, because uh, you know, like Putin's like speechwriters or like whoever, whoever there is, they kind of write those jokes for him, which is basically like the the older he gets, they kind of all all become more like like old man's pub jokes or something like this, which kind of like like a what a seventy year old man in a pub like wants to tell you a saucy joke about like the army or something. And like he talks, sometimes he kind of in some uh, like uh, uh, press conferences or something, he just tells them, and you know everybody politely laughs. So he's he's still the main comedian over there in terms of like how many people see his stuff, he's absolute top <laughs> because like it's it gets shown on all the channels. So yeah, his 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 sense of humor is um, unquestioned. So what is the so I'm curious how many active comedians are there? Would you say then in the Russian comedy scene? There's you and there's got to be what? Uh, is there even more than a hundred? Is there more than you know? Oh yes, people? oh yes, oh yes, of course more. I mean, like that depends on how, like, kind of the open, the open, the open mic, uh, the open mics are, you know, plenty. There's a lot of them. There's several uh, in any, like, because as I said, the professional comedy clubs are very few. But it doesn't mean that like there are no open mics, like in bars or cafes or pubs. You know, so stand up comedy is getting really, really popular. People start getting into it like since like they're 16 or 17. 
Um, so now, like, there is a lot of people who at least are kind of want to be comedians. And I would say that, you know, established comedians, like, who are kind of working, um, like, who is like, for whom is like a living, I don't know, maybe 40, something like this. Well, yeah. I would say that, yeah. Yeah, how do you make a living doing stand-up in Russia? Is it just live shows then, or do you release albums, or how do you make... You know, how do you how does a working comedian make any money over there? I mean, and, um, and, and let me say, I don't know if anybody's answered that question well anywhere on the planet. So yeah, like it's, it's, it sounds like a rhetorical question to be honest. Like, how does a stand-up make money? Well, how do you? But how yeah, do you, um, yeah, how do you make money, man? You yeah. make enough to go travel around outside of Russia. Um, you know, you've done a lot of shows in the UK, I think I've, yeah. I've seen you do a handful of different shows and I think Germany also. And, and I, I do a lot in Scandinavia and actually like those, those, those trips are kind of, uh, you know, uh, I, I am well paid on those. So it's kind of, I'm already kind of not just traveling, I'm touring professionally, uh, in Europe. Um, uh, so that kind of brings money rather than takes money. Uh, in Russia, I don't, uh, make a full, like a full-time living as a stand-up comedian. Uh, so I have to do like other stuff. I do, I, I do some writing. Um, I did some teaching before and now I have this promotion running. So it's kind of all, I kind of all, I'm trying to make it all work within the industry, but not necessarily with live shows because it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard for now. It's kind of hard, um, to kind of pay your bills. What are you, mm. what are some, you've traveled all around Europe, uh, you know, who are some of your favorite audiences to perform for? Uh, do you notice a difference between like, uh, Scandinavian countries and, and German audiences and, uh, you know, maybe, mm. maybe French audiences? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I say, I, I'd say this because this year I had like this two month tour, which included the Edinburgh Fringe and before the Edinburgh Fringe, I was in several like small English towns, like, cause there were festivals. They invited me to the festivals and it's like a town that were like for 300 and 40 days, nothing happens at all, just people dying. <laughs> five days, there is a festival, and there's like comedy and some theater, and like everybody goes and like, you know, it fills, it fills the room really, really well. Uh, but I had those shows in which most of my audience, like in all of my audience, uh, there was not like a single person uh, who didn't have gray hair, like people over oh, yeah, 50. Just all old people, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who all kind of, who kind of grew up in the Cold War, uh, during the Cold War, and I kind of all want to know what is like, it's not really, they came in, they didn't really come for like jokes, they just came, what is it like in Russia? It's like just very interesting, what's what's happening there now? You know, like, and uh, they, they're kind of nice, uh, but at the same time, uh, in Europe, like most of the, like, because I perform in English, obviously, like in all the European countries, like Scandinavia, Germany, um, uh, and like Netherlands and stuff, uh, it's all kind of very international audience, especially like Berlin, which is like the main spot for English speaking comedy in Europe. I would even say that it's better than London. There's more English comedy than German comedy. Do you know, uh, uh, do you know Noah, uh, the producer and owner of the, um, of the international comedy club there in Berlin? Um, uh, Noah, Noah, no, I don't know. What's, what's the club? There is a lot. There is a lot of them. Yeah, I know. Like, I know the guys from Cosmic Comedy, for example. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Noah. Yeah, yeah. Noah Telson. He owns Comedy Cafe Berlin. Ah, Comedy Cafe. Yeah. Yeah. I never. I know. I didn't. I didn't meet him. No. Um. But yeah. So the point is, like, mostly in Europe, like in continental Europe, the audience are very young and very international. So, for example, in Berlin, you would have like thirty percent German people coming to you, and seventy percent would be like Romanian, Spanish. 
French, whatever, right? And I, found, I find this young audience, they kind of also very like a bit inexperienced in terms of stand-up. But at the same time, I like them much more than uh, the older uh, British audiences, just because the younger international audience have less compassion, you know, because like they're, they're amazing. You know, because like when you talk to like when you talk about like some dark stuff about like some your like my childhood, like in the 90s, how like bad things were and like the people over 50 in Britain, they just kind of um, uh, they just start, uh, uh, you know, gasping and thinking, oh, this is so sad. How can we laugh now? <laughs> and, some, and some Romanian dude like somewhere in Berlin just listens to it and just go, I'm <laughs> just like at home. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's just like Romania very, today. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's relatable to them. So they, they, they I, I like this kind of young international audiences. And it's, it's essentially in, in Europe, that's how it works. You, you put on a show in English and, you know, all the students or like teachers from, from universities because they don't have enough like entertainment in English, they all come to see you. So it's very young and very diverse audience, uh, which I enjoy. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I think it's really cool. One of the things that, uh, that we were learning, you know, that both from my experience doing this and then Zach and I talking to, you know, a lot of different people about international comedy is that it, it right now, it really is, there is a, everywhere we speak, every market, every region, every country, people are developing this, the, the world of stand-up and the world of humor all yeah. right now like they're all it's all self-built it's just like you said like 16 17 18 year olds going into the bars there might not be a comedy club but like fuck it we're gonna do a stand-up night I'll bring, yeah. a, I'll bring a pa we'll just be like talking to one another and it, it's interesting because the media is state media in russia it's like you have to be developing this for yourself like you really have to there's not a really strong career path like you said to to to, uh, yeah. to gaining like fame and having a career you have to put it together it's very diy it's very like kind of even punk rock and that you have to like figure this out as you're going through it yeah 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 i mean i mean there is one show on russian tv which is like we, there is one stand-up show uh, can you guess the name of the show no what's it called yes guess uh uh the stand-up show I don't know. It probably yes. starts with a K. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> just don't stand up. Yeah, that's all. Comediet commissar. Yeah, it's just stand up. Just because you would like to. The name of the show is just stand up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and they but it's basically run by like a, like five people who are kind of producers and they're like the main sort of like money makers there uh, and um, and they're not they already kind of understand that they're not really as good as the young generation of comedians uh, so they're kind of they, they show that they run and the comedians who they invite are very kind of sterile they're not allowed like they kind of doctor the, the, their um, sets right not just in terms of political content but also in terms of like style so that they all kind of um, there is no, not much opportunity for like alternative comedy and like different, um, like developing different styles like there on TV. There's no like Russian Zach Galifianakis. No, no. <laughs> um, yet, not yet, of course. But of course, it will all it will all appear. I think pretty soon. That's cool. Um, so why? So I'm curious. Why Scandinavia then? Like, why has Scandinavia been so successful for you? Mm, well, for several reasons. Uh, first of all, the uh, it's kind of purely like economic reasons as well, you know, because it's kind of close. It's close to Russia, the cheap, cheap flights. At the same time, people have kind of uh, 
uh, people have money there. Like essentially they are kind of in, in Berlin, for example, all the shows are donation based. So basically you just throw something in the bucket, like at the fringe, right? Yeah. yeah. And like in Scandinavia, people are kind of, people pay for entertainment and kind of people pay for show for shows. What a and also I think... Yeah, they're great. Actually. Nobody yeah. pays for shit in America, <laughs> by the way. I just did yeah. a stand-up comedy show last night that was a show I performed with uh, three other professional comedians. I mean, people who are on The Daily Show were at the, on the show, and yeah. nobody got paid any money. <laughs> well, yeah, well, in London, same thing happens all the time. Yeah, like if, if, if the market is saturated, then people don't want to pay for it. If, if, it's, it's, if the shows happen not very often, then kind of they kind of get more value. It's not really like the performance value, but just the value of this entertainment to people. So, and then it just happened. Yeah, I just got some contacts and they're kind of happy to have me like every once in a while. Uh, and also, but also I think that Scandinavian people are kind of very like similar, we have a similar mentality to Russians really. Just like we're different, we are different in the way that Russians are not really, uh, we don't really plan anything ahead and they plan everything ahead. But in this, uh, at the same time, but the result is the result is still depression and suicide. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> so oh, yeah, we're very close mentalities and very like maybe it comes from like living in a similar climate or something. But I think I think it's quite similar. Yeah. Uh, one of one of the things we're trying to uh, to figure out is whether national borders still mean anything for especially for a younger generation when it comes to understanding humor because the whole. The whole thing, at least in the U.S., is that comedy doesn't travel, and uh, I think we're proving that wrong. You know, you you you're making a living going to Scandinavia Jim and Gaffigan's Germany. Coming to, Jim yeah. Gaffigan's going to Moscow. Do yeah. you think that? I mean, I I know this is a broad question, but do you think there that national borders uh, matter uh, for younger generations, or do you think we're all basically consuming the same media and kind of speaking the same language, basically? Mm, well, it's, I, I think like uh, borders, uh, not 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 borders as such, but for example, within Europe, within Europe, and even like like before this, like I don't know what what will happen with this Brexit thing in the end, but like uh, with, with within this whole space, like UK and Europe, there are no actual borders. Like people are free to move. Uh, but for example, in Russia, we need to get visas to get somewhere, and uh, people need to get visas to to come to Russia. So uh, this kind of visa thing, you know, and still like in Russia, I think like I don't know, but I, I think about like saying like seventy five percent of people don't even have uh, what is what it's called like a foreign passport, like not a foreign passport of another country, but a passport to travel to foreign countries. Like a, we have a, a national passport, and this that's, is, that's that's the same as in America, actually. Yeah, so yeah. And most and people and have never travel outside of the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, and like getting visas is kind of like it's, it's a process which kind of people are uh, not always accustomed to. So and and also it costs like money and it uh, takes time when you get you need to kind of prove that you don't want to like uh, immigrate and and you do you know. So it's kind of all weird. Um, but uh, within this like space of within this European space, uh, it's um, pretty much like um, free for all. Like everybody can travel anywhere. Uh, and uh, but at the same time, it gives me, I think, as a Russian, I think it gives me um, a little bit of um, 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 what's it called? Like uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of more uh, prepared to do like different sort of admin. Uh, compared to say British comics, because for example, that's what happens sometime like after my tours in Scandinavia, because I post about them on social media and my like, friends and acquaintances from Britain, uh, from like who I met at the Fringe, uh, kind of they start writing to me, oh, that's like 
so it's so interesting. Congratulations on like successful tour. Can you give me like contacts for like all the promoters, like and like venues that you worked in Scandinavia? And I think that's kind you of you can expect this email from me soon. Yeah, well, I mean, please, please do, but I, I will give it to you because I, I, I know sometimes people write to, to me, which I haven't like met or something, they were just Facebook friends or something. But the point is, right, and uh, before you do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open like an open little secret for you. It's really easy to go there to Europe if you're already a native English speaker uh, and to go on tour there. Because, for example, I know this for a fact that some British comedians, when they send like their CVs, to the um, uh, like to, to the like Eastern European kind of like you know Romania or Czech Republic or like Scandinavia, uh, the promoters don't even necessarily look at the videos. They just go, oh right, you're you're British or like you're American. Please come in, right? So and then uh, the, uh, the 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 reason why the British comedians don't really travel is I don't know. I don't. There's no reason they can do it. It's so easy for them. But like they still kind of go, oh, I want to. Uh, I'm planning like in a few months to go on like a you know a week's tour in Europe. It's so easy for you, you know. I have to plan these things like months in ahead, uh, and like get visas and you know do everything. So it's kind of for me, it's like like 90% of like uh, just admin, uh, and uh, for 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 them, it's kind of costs nothing. And still, you know, like a British comic can come to. Uh, Czech Republic or like to Stockholm and be like three times less funny than me uh, and uh, get three times more people at the show and, uh, than me, you know, just because That's interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, just because like you, they don't see like, they, it's not just because I'm like Russian and like Russians are not fine, not because of that, I could be like Romanian or German but because like the idea of stand-up comedy, which comes from the English speaking world and, and it kind of represents the, like the, to those people it represents like this global English-speaking country, uh, English-speaking culture, yeah, right. So it's kind of all. It's all why, for example, the same reason why, like, they watch uh, American like television series or British television series to kind of feel part of the global culture more than anything, you know. So it's not just about the jokes. It's about like, uh, you know, cul this cultural, you know, exchange. What you were talking about. Have um, you ever? Have you? I, I. So far as I know, you've never done comedy in America, have you? <clears throat> No, no, I haven't. Yeah, would you? What? Wh how come you? Have you wanted to? Have you tried to? I'm just curious. What's uh, you know, what your thoughts are on that? Um, I, I mean, I would be happy to. I, I think, I, I think I do really well there. You know, just from what I know, I, I expect, I, I would expect. But just like the whole trip, it would, it, it needs to be kind of. Uh, planned. It's just it's purely purely economic reasons, really, because like it's it's far away. It's like everything is expensive, and just go to New York to do like I don't know open mics or you know some shows, um, like mixed bill shows. Probably I'm just gonna, probably going to lose a lot of money. Um, so uh, I don't know. I'm just maybe waiting for a good opportunity to you know get in touch with somebody. Uh, I, it's just, yeah, it's fascinating to me because there's such a big uh, Russian community in new york especially that you could i can imagine you know you you know you doing really well simply because the fact that you're a russian comedian there's i don't know a single other russian comic aside from yakov smirnov who's ever yeah. done comedy in america and certainly not be been famous for it at all yeah yeah uh, but uh, also so yakov smirnov he did comedy in uh, in english right yeah and yeah, yeah. uh uh, the, the thing about Russian communities is that they don't want to listen to stuff in English. Um, well, would you do? You must do your show. You must do some of your act in Russian in Russia, right? Uh, yeah. You sound really disappointed. <laughs> yeah, you sound so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs>
No, but like, what's the point? What's the point if what's the point if I come uh, like if I come to to New York to do to do comedy in Russian for Russians? It's kind of just a little bit stupid. Well, yeah, but I mean, you could do other shows, and I could just see you. I could see you getting a big crowd that would be willing to pay to come and see you do comedy in Russian. I just think of Gad uh, Amala, who um, or Almala, or yeah. however the hell you say his last name. He, um, yeah, yeah. you know, when he came through New York and Chicago. His shows were, I mean, he did two shows. One was essentially in English for an American audience or French expats who want to listen in English. And then he did a show in French, and it was, it was totally sold out. All French-speaking expats who live in New York or Chicago wanted to go see him do it in French. I could just see this, a similar kind of thing, you know, potentially for, for you doing shows in Russian. Uh, yeah, but I would really, I would really want to do like my kind of international stuff. You know, yeah. In, in, in America. All right, I'll, I'll stop. Just, put, I can tell you don't want to do this. <laughs> We're really just trying to get you here. <laughs> yeah. Try harder. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so. So funny. yeah. Yeah. Well, so what's next for you, man? I mean, like you've been doing. You got all. You got the tours going on. You're producing this show with Jim Gaffigan. Um, which is amazing. Congratulations on that, by the way. Do you have like another whole bunch of American comedians or famous British comedians you want to bring over to Russia after that, or you know, what are uh, what's what what are your plans? Uh, yeah, well, this like promotion thing is going going well. We bring like usually like one like one foreign comedian a month, uh, and we also like produce like English speaking shows here, uh, like for, by local comedians who kind of live live here it's kind of some russians who are trying and kind of getting better and better in the english uh, in english uh, comedy and there are some experts who have been living here for a few years and doing like open mics in english and stuff that's where i first uh, like tr tried to perform in english it wasn't it wasn't it was in moscow of course you know because we already have this kind of like expert bars where um comedy nights take place usually like open mic nights uh, so now we kind of I want to do this kind of like to introduce the audience more to the uh, international comedy like with like big stars like Jim Gaffigan and also like uh, like roughly every month uh, just like very good but not like superstars but really good comedians mostly from Britain just because it's kind of economically that's what works um, for us right so because I have like contacts at the fringe which I built and. So it's it's, uh, it's it's working really well. The shows don't really get huge crowds, but like we aim for like a hundred people in Moscow and a hundred people in Saint Petersburg, and that's, that's great, like realistically, that's what realistically we get. That's, that's um, honestly that's, that's really good. Hopefully, maybe I can do one of those shows one of these days. Yeah, um, yeah. Just uh, get in touch a few months in advance, like when you're going, when you're coming to the region, and we'll sort something out. Yeah, that would be great. Um, do you ever, I'm curious, do you ever do comedy in the east? Do you ever head to the east side of, of, of Russia, or even into, you know, China, or, or you know, sort of, I'm curious I, I know, if I've, the... I've never, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you talk, if you talk to Helgi from Iceland, you maybe you talked about, like, the stuff which happened in China, right, with comedy clubs? Yeah, we did. We talked to him about doing uh, doing it in. Uh, I think he was in Shanghai and Beijing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. But essentially, like the that they had to close the comedy clubs because of the new legislation. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, he. Um, it was interesting. We should get him back on this podcast. Um, he, yeah, he <laughs> he had talked about doing that. We have a great footage of Helgi giving us a tour of uh, Reykjavik, which I think is really funny from the Funny Planet pilot that we shot over in Iceland. Um. 
Yeah, it, we should talk to him about that. But I was just curious if you had, because I would imagine the sense of humor must be different between the West and the East in Russia. Uh, yeah, yeah. But like, essentially, as I understand, like, as, and I know this, like, not firsthand, it's mostly from Helgi and like other comedians who were kind of passing through Russia on their, when, when they were basically um, closing the comedy clubs because of the new legislation and China. And essentially, the, the, the um, what, what it meant, like, I, I'm not like, Helgi is probably much more of an expert on this, because he was like, a, an active part of this whole scene. But like uh, the, the point is that uh, when um, you know, the new legislation said that uh, everything which is performed from stage to live, live to people, it should go through some pre-moderation, some censorship. And essentially that means stand-up comedy is impossible. It means improv is so, completely impossible. Yeah, there's no improv. Just, just one fell swoop destroyed the Chinese would, improv market. <laughs> Yeah, 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 but probably, probably like I, I, I never heard of improv in China. But the stand-up clubs, the clubs were doing really well, and Helgi and like some other guys who were just when they were exiled, <laughs> they were passing through Russia, like you know, like on a great uh, like silk way, like this, this, like they were just coming back to Europe, sad, uh, and oh like God. made a stop in Moscow, <laughs> made a stop in Moscow. There was like an Irish guy, Byron Murphy, who was also living in China for like five years and doing comedy there professionally. Uh, but the crowd was like mostly like uh, there was a lot of like expats who are kind of missing home so much that they want to come to comedy shows regularly. Like even in Moscow, we don't have that. And uh, also there were like Chinese, uh, like younger generation of Chinese people. So it was kind of developing and like really like booming, like much, much, like much more than than in Russia. Uh, but then when they closed all the main comedy clubs because of that, um, now comedy nights exist, but only on a very like low level, and they know that uh, every time, like every time, like a policeman or somebody, some official want to close, then they they will close. Like they have an official reason to close them. That's fascinating. Yeah. We need to get Helgi back on this on this podcast and to talk <laughs> to him about that. Um, that's very that's just very interesting. Um, well, so we're we're approaching time, and uh, I just wanted to thank you again for taking the time to talk to us. Um, where can um, where can the audience find you? Where can they get after you, or follow you, or figure out what you got going on, Oleg? Um, yeah, but my main like, working instrument now is on this Facebook. Uh, so on Facebook, it's find me as Oleg Dennis of Comedy, or uh, find uh, Still the Show Comedy, which is the promotion that we run. Uh, and uh, also, uh, I have a channel on YouTube. I don't really, I don't really promote it much because I'm too lazy. But uh, there, there, there are some bits. There are some some of my bits that if people like it, they can subscribe. Um, so yeah, um, maybe mostly that's it. Well, cool, man. Uh, I will we'll, we'll post uh, on the show notes. I'll put the links in for so people can uh, for, can subscribe and find where you're at and all that stuff. But. Yeah. Uh, you know, Oleg, thank you so much for taking the time, man. Yeah, thanks again, Oleg. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. And uh, we hope to meet you soon. Hopefully we can get over to Moscow. Yeah, please do. Please contact me. Yeah, um, see you then. All right. All right see you Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Funny Planet. Funny Planet is hosted by Brendan Lemon and Zach Tomasovic and co-produced by Brendan Lemon, Zach Tomasovic, and Brendan Gay. If you find this podcast fun and valuable, we'd love your support. Please like and subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links will be in the show notes. And if you really want to support us and get access to more content, check the show notes or search for Funny Planet on Patreon. 
On Patreon, you can pledge a regular donation that will help us to continue to deliver valuable content straight to you. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.